We lived at his house in Berkeley. Okay. No, not Berkeley. It was up in the mountains. Up in the hills behind Berkeley? Yeah. Kensington, I think. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. His name was Ken, Ken Moshed. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Ken played Congo drums with the band. Okay. And he went to Europe with us. Okay. And uh, I li- really like to get in touch with him. How do you spell his last name? I'll start looking for him. Yeah, he's uh, Moshed, Ken Moshed. How do you spell his last name? I don't know. Okay. But his name is uh, Ken Moshed, I remember that. Okay. Name. Well, I'll, I will... Uh, I'll do a little investigating, see what I can find. And he lived up in the hills. He went to... Berkeley. He I went, forgot the name of the town. He no. went to Europe, what, in the late 80s or something like this? or? When were we in San Francisco? Uh, not, uh, I mean, in, uh, we stayed at Berkeley. What year was that? Well, you were, 71 was, of course, very a big, a big year. But you were, uh, I think, in San Francisco most of the time. Is that the one we did the concert at Berkeley University? The UC Jazz Festival, April 1971, yeah. Well, that's when it was. Okay. All right. Okay. And then uh, I came back to Chicago with Sunrise, I mean, to to, uh, San Francisco again. 89. Because uh, we did, we finished the film. A 74, no, 72. Wait, well, you, you did the film in 72 here. Yeah, but they did, they did part of the film with the band. Right, that was 72. Then just me and Sunrock came out and do the rest of the film. Okay. Uh, they did the interior shots, and they did the, the shots on uh, when we was out in the, uh, the desert, and we did the shots where he was inside the, he was inside the space capsule. We did uh, we did the shooting when uh, he got kidnapped. I don't know. I think they cut that out now. Uh, where he put him in the van, and uh, we did the, we did uh, the scenes and was we supposed to be in this uh, joint in Chicago, and he was rehearsing the band in Delisa. Right. And they had the dancers. Uh, the dancers and he started playing his bass music in the chandeliers and right. it started falling down. Right. Yeah. Well, we, all those scenes were done at a different time, because the band I was in Europe when the, the I didn't come back with them after that tour. Right. And they went they went to California and did the first part of the film, and it was just music. They, they recorded the band the music and stuff like that. Uh, but then, then uh, when uh, the second part of the film, but just me and Sunra, and then, uh, nobody else. I drove him out. No, we took a plane out and we rented a car. I think it was like that. We rented a car. We took a plane out and we rented a car. Okay. And I made a stupid mistake. Danny's girlfriend was also helping us. Danny Thompson. And I D- didn't. Like Danny Thompson. Then, yeah, he had a girlfriend. Okay. And she was she was helping us. And I didn't know, well, somebody always warned me about talking to women. Well, we was in discussion. What did he say about that? Well, what happened was that uh, we was discussing, and she was asking me uh, about uh, what I was doing in the daytime. And uh, uh, anyway, we was had we was living in the same hotel. 
but in the same room, but it was a double room. I had a room and Sunrise had a room. But in the mornings, I had to I had to dress him, you know, help dress him because he was so fat he could hardly bend over. Okay. And uh, so I had to help him put on his shoes and socks and stuff like that. And I was telling her, well, uh, you know, I had the impression that because he had me bring all this film equipment and camera equipment, I had the impression that. Uh, we was going to do some filming, and that's what I was supposed to be doing and recording and stuff like that. Although I did re do recordings uh, um, when we was filming. Sunrise, he was playing any kind of music. I had to record it. Great. You know. So I was telling him, well, I'm a little bit, a little bit disappointed in my role out here. It seems like I'm just out here to be a... a to, to dress Sunrise and drive him around and stuff like that. And then uh, they didn't pay me nothing for doing photographs and uh, being in the film. I was in a lot of shots. And I didn't get no pay for that, but I'm sure they paid Sunrise for it. But anyway, and he was paying all the bills and got food and stuff like that. And then I got to meet a lot of people. We got we went to different places and uh, just to see just to see shows and musicians and stuff. You know how Sunrise likes to get around. Oh yeah. And go in incognito and sit down and listen to people play, and they never know that uh, that's the way he used to find his musicians. Right. Well, anyway, I said something to the girl, and they got back to Sunrise, and we was in the we was in the uh, uh, we was on the verge of buying a car for me because uh, we wanted to go, since I had the camera, we wanted to go up in the mountains again where we did those first films uh, that uh, when we was out there the first time. We did a lot of shooting up in the mountains with the band and silhouette and stuff and looked like they was walking on the edge of the earth. And so he wanted to do that, but we couldn't do it because we wasn't at the university, so we didn't have a car. So he was going to buy a car. But then she went back and, and blabbermouth what I had said to her. She said to Sunrise, Sunrise got offended, and he didn't buy the car. And then he started, uh, well, it, it changed a little bit. He didn't ask me. I didn't have to go in and dress him and everything in the morning. Just have him put on his shoes and stuff. I didn't have to go in and, you know, uh, go in and say, what are you going to wear today and blah, blah, blah. And uh, some of them, some of his clothes smell so bad I had to take them out to the laundry and get them, uh, get them washed and whatnot. Uh huh. And uh, I was doing stuff like that, and I, I didn't feel like I, I wanted to do that. That's not my kind of life that I wanted to be that, you know. And uh, my impression was when we left New York that I was going to be filming, and uh, I, he gave me the impression I was going to be working for Newman as a, you know. But it wasn't like that. It was what I was doing, I was doing for Sunrise, not for Newman. Okay. And uh, when I got out there, I learned that's what it was. But then I had to do all this other stuff to help him dress and, and put his bags together and put everything together. And when we had to go to rehearsal and stuff, I had to pack all this stuff and get a cab and all that stuff. You know? and, uh, so I just, uh, just let it out. To this girl, and she went back and told Sunrise, and Sunrise got very hostile. Not really hostile, but he changed, and uh, he, we didn't buy the car, and we didn't do no filming.
and we didn't do nothing. We just uh, spent those last two weeks there doing nothing. You know, when he get to when he get back to the uh, to the hotel, he would uh, go in his room and go to sleep. Okay. And I would have to go out and spend, you know eat for my find a place to eat and all that stuff by myself. Right. But before, you know, like we used to go when we finished, we'd go out and find a place. Hear somebody having a nice dinner someplace and whatnot. But I guess I had to pay the price for that. And I opened my mouth, and so instead of instead of going out with me, he was taking the girl. So that's what happened. I came back to New York, so I decided I'll go back to Sweden. We knew Sunrock for like 45 years or so, I guess, right? Um, it seems like it's yesterday. Yeah. How did he change through the years, if at all? Huh? How did Sun Ra change through the years, if at all? Or was he pretty How much... did he change? I don't think he really changed at all. Okay. Except his, his music conception. Okay. And he stopped playing bebop. And, and he, uh, everything that uh, he played was... was di he even played blues different in the later years. He played... He wasn't playing blues like he was playing blues in the beginning in Chicago. He played... Well, in Chicago, he sounded a lot, when he played blues, he sounded a lot like uh, Earl Garner. But he could play. He could really play, and he had a good sense of, of rhythm. He had a good sense of, uh, uh, you know, tones and whatnot. And, uh, was, and his range was, was always rich. But then uh, when he came to New York, he started writing different. And then he started He started to have, at one point, when I come back, he would have all these inferior musicians that couldn't play. You know, all they could do is get up and just play all these weird sounds, and it seemed like a, uh, he liked that. And uh, most of the time when they were sitting in the section, they was only faking. They wasn't really playing. Okay. You know. Like, Elo, I don't think Elo, Elo could read music. I don't think he could read music. And in the beginning, Jackson couldn't read music. And, uh, but, uh, I don't know how Jackson came in the band, because he was in the band. And he was just playing, he was just playing, uh, like a bongo-type drums. And, uh, uh, this, this big drum come by accident. They had an electrical storm. And this tree broke down. I know next to the house. And, uh, yeah. Uh, the tree, when it broke down, and they examined, they found they found that the tree was rotten in the inside. So it was easy to make a drum, you know. So he used it, uh, made this drum. But uh, I don't know how where his skill come to do that carving, the Egyptian symbols and stuff and hieroglyphics. Right. Sure. I mean, he had a lot of talent made to be able to do that because the drum was very impressive. Very much so. But yeah. it was fragile, you yeah. know, like uh, the where he, where the seat that he had carved out so that the drum would rest on his own. Those things would and travel with those legs, would those he get chipped? knobs that he yeah. left on the bottom of the drums that he carved out. Right. Would break off. Right. Yeah. You know, so I think he had to develop a new a new kind of. Uh, for the drums. Then the drums, the other problem was that the drums was always, was too high for him to play, so he had to have a chair. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, but it didn't matter. They uh, people loved it. But before that, before he had the drum, uh, Jackson was dancing a lot, and they had these costumes like uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's this man? Uh, God. Well, anyway, they had these costumes and different creatures from films. Uh, and uh, uh, they had this one of the devil. And it seemed like when Jackson started dancing with this devil costume on, he would like go in a trance. And he just moved, you know, and he didn't know when to start and when to, well, he knew when to start, but it looked like he never knew when to stop. That it would, to stop him, somehow would have to stop the band and then manipulate him with the music from the Moog or something. And cause, uh, then, you know, like Danny Davis was doing, doing, uh, uh, what's his name? What's the name of this this guy that, uh, Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, uh, so they put on quite a show. And then, the, the, you know, like, during that time, I think the reason he's putting on the show because he only had, like, maybe three or four people in the band that could play the arrangements. You know, like John Marshall, John Marshall and the trumpet player and the trombone. Well, he had the trombone player, what's his name, Craig Harris, a good reader, and Pat Patricks and um, whatnot. But then, you know, some days, some months or some years, uh, they wasn't with the band. Right. So you'd have these other musicians to take their place, but they couldn't read. They couldn't read Sunrise music anyway. So the the he had to put on the show. So he would have John and Marshall play, and uh, the well the drummers knew the, the arrangements. And there's a lot of times that he would have a bass player, and the bass player did he would do without a bass player because he couldn't get a bass player to play the arrangements. I've seen that. <laughs> and then Pat came back, and then Pat was playing a lot of bass in the band because he had lost his he had lost his place baritone to Danny Thompson. Right. And so there was this friction between Danny Thompson and uh, Pat. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Pat didn't like Danny. Oh, really? Okay. And Danny do everything to try and please him, but it's just one of those things. Pat oh. didn't like Danny too well. Okay. And plus, uh, it carried over to Sunrise. It was noticeable that Sunrise, so Sunrise wouldn't give, wouldn't give Pat solo time and so, so uh, uh, he would prefer to have Pat play bass because like, Pat played electric electronic bass right and so a lot of a lot of the jobs that Pat was on he didn't hear him blow because he was playing bass right I've seen that a few times yeah and uh, that was uh, that was because of eagle trips okay when she comes back from Scotland we're going to start going through the recordings and maybe try and put out a couple of albums. Fantastic. And then I'm going to try and put a, a couple of albums out that, from the years that I was with Phil McLaughlin and Richard Otto. That sounds so good. They should, Richard Otto should really be heard. Fantastic violin player. I look forward to hearing that. And you know, uh, I played with most violin, I played with a lot of violin players. When I was in Chicago, 
I played with Eddie South. Oh, really? Wow. And I played with, uh, what's the other one? I'm on that record, incidentally, that uh, Sonny made with, uh, Sunra made with... Uh, Stuff Smith? Stuff Smith. Okay. Now, how that came about, the music, uh, something happened, the drummer got sick or something. And the musicians' union sent me down for one night to play with him uh, as a replacement for the drummer, right? But as it so happened, the drummer was out for three nights. And Sunrise used to, every place I go or play, if he wasn't on the gig, he would be there. He used to, uh, we were very close. And, you know, like we'd meet in the daytime and have food and stuff. And uh, he kept very close to me. And so uh, I'm playing, and so Sunrise in the back. Nobody knows Sunrise sitting in the back making notes and stuff like that. So then after the job, uh, I see him. And so I go, I go to him, and uh, I introduce him to Stuff Smith. And so we hung out. Next thing I know, I don't read, but what I don't remember is, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Sunrise. Sunrise taped it. Sunrise taped it. But I don't remember if we did it at. I think we did it at Sunrise's house. But I'm not sure because Sunrise used to carry that tape recorder around with. Okay. We might have done it at Stuff Smith's house, but I can't remember if we went to Stuff Smith's because I can't remember Stuff Smith's house. Okay. And it seems like to me I never went to his house because I had just met the man. You know, and I knew him for three days. And, but I think, because he was impressed with Sun Ra, and Sun Ra was telling him, you know, he's a musician and he's a writer. And, and he knew Sun Ra, I guess, from the days that he was with Thresher Henderson. And they had seen each other, but they had never met. So uh, he was in, at that time, it wasn't Sun Ra, it was Sonny Blunt. And so, uh, we went someplace, and it must have been Sunrise's house. Oh, it didn't have to be, because Sunrise could have had the tape recorder with him. And I didn't have no drums, but I had brushes, because I carried this little bag, you know, which you carry this little bag with your sticks and sticks, brushes. Yeah. Uh, somebody, always somebody in the daytime would play your drums if you leave the sticks and brushes. So whenever I leave my drums on the job, at that time, you didn't have to worry about people stealing your cymbals, but they would play your drums during the daytime. And you come in, your drums are not, in a, you know, uh, you know, you you have a place how you sit and how your drums. Are oh playing, sure, yeah. You know, and somebody touches your drums, you know right away when you sit down. And so you don't want that. You want to come in and be comfortable and play the first set comfortable. And, you know, without adjusting the drums, so I would take my drumsticks and my brushes and, and pallets, I would take them home with me at night. And so I, I just happened to have my brushes and stuff with me, and we stopped. Wherever we stopped, wherever we went, I, I can't remember the state of my life. Uh, there was a piano with a solar box. You know, that's attachment and... and uh, oh, yeah. I've, I've to the piano and it sounds like an organ and whatnot. Definitely, yes. You know, that's, uh, uh, so Stuff wanted to hear some, some arrangements that Sunrise was doing. Because he was writing and he was telling Stuff about these arrangements. and 
So some, so stuff going to hear it. So Sunrise took. We went to this place, and Sunrise was playing different tunes that he had written in the range and whatnot. And he got that stuff. And it got interested, and he pulled out his. Uh, he pulled out his uh, his violin, and we started to play. And I was playing. I was playing on the telephone book. But then there was no drums there. Okay. I, but Sunrise was recording. And so I'm so far away from the mic, it's just at times you can hear, you know. But whoever did the, whoever did the mastering of that uh, probably wasn't interested in the drum sounds anyway, you know. So I don't know who mastered those tapes. But somehow I did those tapes while I was in, uh, while I was in uh, Sweden. Right. He, sent me a, he sent me the album. Okay. And the first time I heard the tape, he sent me an album. Uh, in, in Stockholm. So, and then he told me, you know, but I already knew that uh, uh, that was uh, the time, the time that he had recorded Stuff Smith, and I was instrumental, instrumental in him meeting Stuff Smith. But he, you know what? No credit on the record whatsoever. Okay. I got no credit. Yeah. Well, he couldn't hear me anyway, so I guess he said, well, well, I got to put his name on it again. Yeah. He can't hear me. Yeah.